This is Lost in the Groove. Where we have really awesome and meaningful conversations week after week. Things that matter to you. Um, Eli is on. And, Hello. Uh, yes. And uh, <laughs> she's going to uh, talk about um, her perspective on all of this. They. Yes. But yes. Yes. Um, yeah. So my perspective um, is I, so I, I believe that, um, you know, pretty young, if you like, it's not a thing that is necessarily coming from society. Like, I feel like, you know, that you either feel like the other kids of your perceived gender or you don't. Um, I also think that for a lot of kids, they go back and forth and that's perfectly okay. Um, I think that in general, I don't think I, I obviously I think that like hormones changing names changing like you know uh, all that kind of stuff I think is something that should be allowed very young I think that in general there should be a moratorium on plastic surgery until kids are older unless it's like something that's like life you know like or I guess I don't want to say that in like a figurative way but like I think that elective surgery should be held off on for everybody until they're like at least like mid teens, <laughs> like and unless it's something where it's like, it's correcting like a, I mean, but then there's sort of like, you can get into different philosophical ideas about it, but I think just anything that's sort of considered like a pla- like, like a plastic elective surgery, I would suggest like holding off at least until the body finishes developing like to some degree, mm-hmm. <laughs> like it doesn't fully de- finish up developing until like you're 25. And I absolutely, again, like support trans kids and all of that stuff. Yes. I think that there can be like having nothing to do with the gender aspects of things. I think there can be negative results at having surgery, like having surgeries in general when you're young, because your entire body, not even talking about your, you know, sexual parts has not stopped developing. You don't know how tall you're going to be. You don't know like, like the shape that your body is going to become. And so anything can like, like if you break your leg and have reconstructive surgery, that can sometimes limit your muscle growth and things like that. So I think just like getting a general idea of like, okay, this is probably where the body is, then start considering having surgeries. But I think that like, if you're like, I think that there should just be a, like a, yeah, because I don't want to limit it, though, either, because I think that then you can get into the conversation of, like, well, if this kid is feeling, like, suicidal because they feel like they're in the wrong body and they want to change the body to be able to live in the, uh, the correct body, but that's then also, that's, yeah. But that also has to do with, like, your, you know, your support group. Uh, when you – I was talking about this. When I was a kid, I liked – um, I liked glitter. I liked Barbies and dolls and – I. Because, you know, it was just I was kind of figuring out my sexuality and it took me a long like took me like 11 and a half years to to figure it out until I was until I was about 13 or 14. And that's kind of the, you know, kind of the thing, right? We're support, you know, it's a healthy support being where parents are able to tell their kids, I love you. You know, if you wanna you wanna go explore, like, do you wanna talk about it with me? Hey, let's let's go through this. Like, what's going on? You know, parents being there and and kids being able to be comfortable in telling their parents and being able to express themselves. Yes, I think that would solve that problem. 
Well, and I, th- I, I think that, I mean, I think that certain aspects of it are like, obviously no brainer. Yes. This kid should be able to wear what they want to have. And I even think having like, you know, beginning like uh tea or estrogen, like I think is a, is positive, but I think that like, I, th- I feel like it's, I don't even think it should be like 18. I feel like it should be like 14 or 15 or something, but just because you'll have an idea of how tall you're going to be, how broad you're going to be, like how you're like, what your body is going to be like, where the, whether you have treatment or like hormone treatment or not, like you're going to have an idea of your general shape. So that's my perspective on that. But I also think like, um, I think that kids who are, I think that the kids and the parents who are considering the stuff should just know the, the positives and the negatives from people who've had it, um, what it's going to feel like, how long the recovery time is going to be like, you know, what are the, uh, the risk factors in it? Like, what are the benefit factors and just kind of be able to have like a really educated, uh, like an educated basis that they're gauging it from rather than just like, you know, like scare tactics from doctors who are kind of against it or people who are a hundred percent like, yeah, this is the best thing ever. Cause like, you don't know how your body is going to react to something. Like I had COVID a few weeks ago. I had, I was sick for like two days and I felt completely fine. I know people who've gotten the same strain as me. This is the first time I ever got it too. I know people that have the same strain as me. Their body chemistry is different. They were sick as a dog for like two weeks. You don't know how your body's going to react to antibiotics. You don't know how your body's going to react to hormones. You don't know how your body's going to react to surgery. And so I think that until you have a better idea of that, it can, you need to know all the risks that you're going into before you do any surgery, whether you're an adult or whether you're a kid, whether it's something that's like, you know, um, gender related or it's something that is, you know, like, like, uh, a boob job or like uh, a million other things. Like you should know all the ins and outs. This is also like, uh, I I listen to podcasts um, because, you know, I I drive like, it's crazy. It takes me an hour to get to work to drive 20 miles. Like the traffic out here is exactly like LA. But, (laughs) (laughs) but, you know, the conversation keeps coming back of where people are so sensitive around the topic of transgender, especially around like trans- transgender women. And then if you want to go even deeper, it's trans black women. It gets even, you know, it gets even it gets even d- darker. And I'm like, people really have to just get out of their heads. And like you were saying earlier, when we say I'm gay, when you say I'm um, pansexual, or you, you say that I'm trans, non-binary. yeah, or non-binary, exactly. You're you're saying how you yourself feel, right? You're not trying to piss off people. You're not trying to piss off the people around you. Right. All you're telling that person is, "This is who I am," and people have a very big problem with that for some. It's a strange reason. I think it's just cultural norms for hundreds and hundreds of I years. Th- yeah, I think it threatens them. I think it threatens their concept of this is what it's supposed to be. Kind of like we were talking about last time. You have these roles and these and these things that people are told this is the way things are. And then you have somebody who's like, wait, I don't feel that way. And it challenges them and it forces them to be like, wait, if this person doesn't feel that way and I'm convinced that that's the truth, is my concept of truth skewed? I don't think so. I said this earlier. <clears throat> Not truth. This is my concept of reality skewed, I guess. In a way, I think it's more of uh, 
societal like um social acceptance and i and i feel like we we kind of we we trap ourselves in this mindset of what we can't understand must be bad you know yes. i you, you probably know this um i've spoken about this before i have i have religious family um, mm-hmm. you, you know my brother. Like we both are. Of course, yeah. Yeah, we, we we both left, and in my own family, like for example, with my other brother, he sees it as like, you know, like what are you doing with your life? It's like, right. But you're denouncing we, something. Exactly, and then but when I try to explain to him, we're, I don't ask you when you have sex with your wife. I don't ask you like, so did you put your, you know, like. Did, did you like pleasure her and now you have a baby like you don't say things like that because it's not it's none of my business it's the business yeah. between him and his wife uh that's you know where I, I think your point comes in with reality is like the reality is kind of skewed it's where the the both sides of like what you feel about what you think is normal is exactly the same thing about what you think is not normal, but you're just not seeing it. That's so confusing, but you'll explain it because I don't know any. I don't know any other way of explaining it. Well, it's like okay, so if you are think about, you can parallel it to like the first time somebody who's kind of sheltered does psychedelics, I guess. Um, so like um, someone who's not exposed to that culture when they're younger before they do it, I guess. So it's like you, you grow up um, thinking that the world is, you know, that the world is this way and that way or, okay. You know, honestly, here's a really good parallel. That's like, that's like not even like a, a, a conceptual thing. The movie Pleasantville. Oh <laughs> no. Seen it, right? Yes. <laughs> I watched it high. So, whether or not you like, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw it a bunch of times. I mean, it, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm older than you, so like I've seen it a bunch of times. I thought when it came out a bunch, and like my late mother really like just. I think she just really liked the art direction of it. So I've seen it like more than I, I actually art. wanted to see it. I love art it's, films. Yeah. Well, it's a beautiful concept, even though it is like a mainstream. It's like a mainstream Hollywood film, but the idea is, you know, like, and that's and so here's a perfect example of like what I'm trying to explain. And uh, but it also kind of goes one deeper too. See, like Tobey Maguire's character, who is a who like idealizes, has kind of like a fucked up family with like you know Lo- Lois from Malcolm in the Middle, who's the mom, and like just like you know sisters out and like you know just kind of partying, and he's like this kind of like goody kid, like he's just like I just want things to be like they they are in this show Pleasantville, and he fantasizes about it. He gets zapped into the reality of it, and suddenly he's inside of it. But his pre- and, and through him and through the sort of through other people through things changing and well so basically in pleasantville everything is the same every single day sort of it's a kind of truman show concept oh say hi to gary say you know this person's mowing their lawn no, but, oh, I, what I, but what yeah. i really loved about um pleasantville over the truman show was of how horrifying it was because every single time you know it restarted it's like you could see on their face of that subconsciously they knew they've done this a thousand times yes but they kept on doing it and that freaked the fuck out i think it was the on wine in the or Pleasantville. oh yeah yeah well I, but also but also the the premise at the end is almost kind of the antithesis of each other but so okay so but basically so you have this whole thing the, the paradigm is that like nothing ever changes it's pleasantville it's all in black and white all the characters are as they like as they always have been nothing ever really changes um 
And then suddenly as things start to change and there starts to be color because suddenly there's like new expression, there's a new way of looking at things. And it's a metaphor for both color as in like people of color as well as like, you know, color just in the world and in a new thought process. But like as that thing changes, then the people who are really loved the way that it was when it was simpler, theoretically, they're really upset at the changes. And so in the movie, there's all these like you know the, the the like artist like shop gets destroyed and like people get like jumped and stuff because they have color now they're suddenly doing this thing that's outside of the status quo of what these people who really liked the way things were um wanted it to stay that way and so as they like as those as the as there becomes more color in the world figuratively and literally they're also becomes more violence and uh, suppression against that color, figuratively and literally. So that's kind of what I'm saying, where it's like, I think that the reason why, and it's my very roundabout way to get back to this point, like, but I think, <laughs> I think that it's a similar kind of thing, where it's like people who like the way things were, they like the binary, they like the structure, they like the rules that they were told, and they like enforcing those. Um, those people get very flustered and offended and upset when suddenly the world starts to change and embrace something new. I, I love how you bring up Pleasantville and what I love even more, and we've talked about this on the show before, I love Lucy. Yes. I love Lucy. If you really, if you really think for a second, this show came out, what, 19, 1950, okay? You have a, a man of color Married to a white woman yeah. with red hair. Because ah, you got red hair right now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and they're on this television show on, on this, you know, one of the largest channels at the time. In a country where segregation was like the norm. It's like black yeah. people go here, white people go there. Uh, you get those polarizing shifts of where... It kind of shakes your reality. You're like, huh? So a white woman can marry yeah. a colored man? Yeah. Well, and it, especially in a period of time where the only other representations of people who were like of Latin origin were like little cartoon and puppet mice. Oh my god! Yeah, that's you know what I mean. That's, that's fucked like, up. But it is fucked up. But it's also accurate. Like, like uh, the other representation of like that part, like of like people from of Latin origin. Um, like were you had um uh oh, i have a i was given randomly given a puppet version of or like a toy version of this thing um what's he called though he's oh, like from the mouse from the no 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 there's also the mouse from ed sullivan show um he's like this little dormouse um uh, oh my god what's his name with the little I, with the with the mustache no that's speedy gonzalez and he was like very much a he was very much a racial stereotype. Yeah, he's... <laughs> but <laughs> there's this other one. I'll find him for you. Hold on. I actually have, like, a, a um, when I was returning a truck to a truck rental place after a music video shoot, I, I noticed this little guy, and somebody was like, you should take him. He's just rotting up there. Topo Gigio. Oh my it's God. from the it's from the Ed Sullivan show. This obviously is a re, is not the original, but I gave him new clothes. But like you know, this is this this 
this I had when I posted about it, I had like a couple different friends from from different like uh, like Central American countries who are like Latin American countries who were just like, that's the first time I saw representation of like a brown person on TV. And I was just like, that's fucking crazy. I mean, I believe it, but also like that's wild. That's like, a, but it looks white. Like, well, he's been in the sun a lot. I mean, literally this this puppet was in the sun uh, at, a, at a truck rental space for like production trucks for like however long. But also, yes, the mouse does look white, but he doesn't speak with he speaks with like a kind of generic like uh, Spanish, Spanish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. Spanish slash a little <laughs> bit of Italian. So he's kind of like this. I mean, he it's it's a weird he's a slightly uncomfortable character. But I had a few friends who were like, oh, my God, he, that brings me back. That was that made me so happy because that was the first time I saw people like something, some person, some character like myself on screen, which is insane. But the same thing, same thing is true for like I Love Lucy, where it's like 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 Ricky was Ricardo was like the first one of the first characters who was like not a cartoon animal. That was a person like a brown person. An interracial couple in the 50s. Yeah. It's fucking crazy though when you really think about it. It really is. <laughs> she was <clears throat> she was she was when we want to talk about legendary women of the past because these are women that completely shifted and molded our future. Lucille Ball. I mean, yeah. Sh she was the pinnacle of a woman that's like I don't give a shit. It's a man's business. I'm here. Yes. I'm staying. So try to get me out of my fucking chair. And that's what yeah, she did. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like she had a kind of like draggy personality too. <laughs> In a sense. I mean, like, if you, yeah, yeah. Trust me. There's some drag queens that there are drag queens that do. Yeah, I mean, uh, like her. Absolutely. I know. <laughs> With the big, it's uh, great. yeah, with the big red. Oh my god, the big red hair. Oh, it's true. Damn, well, we, yeah, that was a really groundbreaking thing, though. Yes, we 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 went completely off topic. <laughs> I mean, kind of though, kind because of. you're talking about like when people when you have something that changes that like challenges the paradigm of modern culture. How does culture respond to it you have some people who are like oh my god i'm getting represented i understand this i love this and you have other people who are like keep things the way they are there's no such thing as whatever this is like i today um i i got i was i got to tell somebody about the fact that using they as a singular not a, not as a plural has been around since like the 1300s because I guess some people don't know about that, <laughs> but um, that's actually like a thing. There are historians who study that, and it's not something that's new. Using it as a singular, it's something that's been around since like around Shakespearean times. It was it's, in Shakespeare. Yeah, it's yeah. funny. It's funny, like so when I was learning about Old English, there's terms like thy and 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 um, thy and <clears throat> thyer, mm -hmm. and. I was like watching a video because I was bored as shit. But uh, a historian talking about it, thy and thy were used as singular. Yes. So it was a way of when you tell told somebody, take thy thy basket. Take and it's like they could have just used take one basket. Why do they say thy? You know, like you're saying, like it's it's a language barrier. What I what I've said before here is I have no problem with the pronouns. My problem is if you give me shit for calling you she or he when you don't use those pronouns. I'm like, listen, 
you know, like, I have a lot of shit going on in my brain. Sometimes things get mumbled. You just, you know, like, that's my philosophy on that. Well, so I, so I would say, like, a, a lot of my friends, past and present, um, are queer, are, are, like, queer and trans. And... I'm a non-binary person. I am fine with whatever pronoun you use, although I do prefer, I, I do consider myself, you know, more of a they, but I'm also not going to be super offended if you call me whatever you want. I, I put that um, in the, I put that in the description for you, by the way. Oh, cool. Thank you. But also like, I, but you know, I have lots of friends who are more offended by it because it's something where it's like, you know, I wouldn't like, there are many people that it doesn't matter to, but for the people that it does matter to, I think it's important to be cognizant of it. And when you think about it, there are a lot of, like, if you didn't know the person's gender, if you couldn't tell from a, like, sort of heteronormative viewpoint, you would just say they couldn't know if that person was he or she, or identified as a he or she or whatever. So it's kind of like you, like, a lot of people who have trouble remembering it, what I've found is that they just tend to use they until they know what the person's pronoun is. So just use use they for everybody. It's not incorrect, unless somebody's like, "Oh no, I'm she, or I'm he, or I'm Z, or whatever." Like, but it's not incorrect until it's corrected. Is always technically correct for for a singular individual. You know, there there's a lot more things you could be pissed off about a person than about you know their their gender role, their pronouns. I mean, you know, there's dicks that'll be pieces of shit. And people won't say anything because it's like, you know, we can't piss him off, you know, because like otherwise he's going to dump our sorry ass or whatever, or some kind of dumb shit like that. But we, we need to just like kind of get it out of our heads and be like, you don't have to get crazy. Like, you got to remember, we're not, we're not all the same like we don't all think no. the fucking same like we are all right. individuals with our own fucking minds yeah you know well and that's why i think using something that's neutral until you know one way or the other just makes sense because it's neutral it's not i mean they can mean a specific non-binary gender but it can also just mean a neutral you don't know it could just be a neutral person like there are I mean, the like American English is a language that does not have a neutral gender pronoun. A lot of them do. A lot of them yeah. have one. They have three pronouns. And it's not strange to think of somebody not fitting into one or the other. Like Italian. I study, and German. I study yeah. German. Der, you have der, die, and das. Uh, der, and you have a lot of words that you wouldn't expect uh, are feminine when they when you would think that they would be a masculine term and, and vice versa. Um, uh, so like and, and they're not necessarily identified with gender. They're just how that how like the structure of that word falls into whether or not it goes with dirty or dust because it more follows the pattern than specifically the gender. And so you ha and so like there is masculine D is feminine and you have das, which is neutral. And so, you know, and again, like I, I like, so I'm kind of curious how in, I, I actually don't know. I should look this up. I'm not sure if they use they or das in German, but because <laughs> so, 
But I basically, did. like there are there are cultures that already use, like you know, there are languages that use on a genderless pronoun for singular person, place, or thing, regardless of anything to do with gender identity. Yeah, I mean, like I, I, I speak to I, I don't speak that much Hebrew, but um, you know, in, in for example, in Hebrew, um, you you say. Ata, which means you, at, which means, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you, but in female. And then there's atem, which means them. Yeah. Um, and Hebrew is, is kind of like this where you have, uh, you have a buildup. So like when you say cold, um, it's kerach. And then if you want a, a refrigerator, it's karer. So it's kind of where we see also, like you mentioned with German, in Hebrew, it's the kind of same thing where... All three that identifies as you all have the same syllabus. It's at, ata, atem. It's this, it, they're kind of spelt the same, but they're pronounced yeah. differently depending on the concept. Kind of like yeah. de, de, and so on. And also like Italian, but I'm not going to go there. Yes. <laughs> well, and when I was traveling in Thailand, uh, like you would have, like just in terms of like how you say hello versus to like, you know, and I don't think there was a neutral, I, I don't know, there might be have been a neutral in terms of just what us down back where Packers learned. It was like, you know, it would be, there was like Sawadee Ka and Sawadee Ka, or Ka and Krapa was masculine and Ka was feminine, I believe. Yeah, I mean like. But they're different. <laughs> I, might, I might have that backwards. It's a long time ago. But, um, but it was like, it was, you had the two and it was just even addressing a person, it was like, and, and it's a, it was to it's about the, the conversation right it's about like you know um you know how are you like what kind of conversation are you having with this person like what kind of environment are you in are you in a formal environment are you with family are you with a stranger you know what i mean like a lot of these languages have that already built in it's how you approach someone yeah yeah and like what you know about the person as well yeah. and like how you yeah yeah exactly but it's yeah so so the concept of using something that is like a third or like that is either a you know the the they them as like a singular or creating a new term like language isn't really that old like we we could we evolve it changes all the time like we have additions to our like to the actual like webster's dictionary pretty frequently like think about 20 years ago we didn't know or like you know 25 years we didn't know what google was now it's like oh let me just google that it is both it is a, it is a noun it is a and it is a verb and it is like it's, it's a proper noun it's also like a kind of conceptual noun and it's also a verb it's a thing that didn't exist when i was born we change language all the time so the idea that we couldn't change language to validate a portion of our population feeling heard and understood is asinine to me. We yeah, change language when we just feel like it. I mean, think, think about it. We're social media. Okay, this is a great example. Social, social media, you know what social media was before the internet? Social media was paparazzi, magazines. That was social media. Uh, television shows, like the, the Late 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 Show, uh, documentaries documentaries those were also like that was social media back then it was a way of you you couldn't communicate like 
in person to person live because it didn't there's no way of doing that but your way of giving out content and then people were able to get information like oh that's what's going on in the grand canyon because you can read it in the newspaper but now like you're saying we're we can Google everything. Like we don't have to wait for the paper to come out to hear what happened. We we can just Google it and find it out like right now. Totally. But I guess what? Yes, yes, that's true. That's a little bit of a. I was just saying the the term to Google something. If we have no opposition to Google being a technical term or like changing the meaning of the term wonky, which is different than it used to be when it first term came out as a term. If we have no issue with changing terminology like that, then we should have, which has no real bearing in the world, like in terms of like other human beings, then we should have no problem changing language that affirms other people's identities. Exactly. And that was what I was trying to bring out also with social media is the fact that our terms change. You know, the, the the term gay... The term gay and trans are one yeah. of the most incredible things because gay was a retaliation against the idea of us not being happy. So let us be gay. Yeah. The idea of trans was this, I believe, the, this belief of transversity, this idea of you don't have to tell me who I am. I am a woman, whether you fucking like it or not. I am a man. It's my right. Yeah, definitely. It's my right as a person. And like you said, now we have so much control over this. We can literally. Yeah. Well, we- and queer used to be a slur. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. I should have brought that up. Yeah. Well, and, and the, the, the F word meaning a gay man used to be, used to be something that people just called each other, you know, for fun sometimes. Like in the seventies, that was a thing. Like a bundle of twigs. Yeah, exactly. Bundle of twigs. <laughs> Do you know in England when you ask somebody for a cigarette? Yes, you it's ask for a fag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I know. Yeah, I, I love know. it. I like I I, I, I I when I was there all I did was make the gay joke. I remember one person like somebody from Manchester when I was at a bar and he's like he's like, You're a real American. I said, Why? He's like you're, he's like you're one of those you're one of those gays that come out here and, <laughs> and figures out all the English gay words you can use, and I'm like, yep, I'm one of those. But yes, I think that's the most incredible thing about language is the fact that we have across the pond, and even like right above us, is a nation of people who speak the same language that we do and have completely different understandings of how we speak. I don't give a fuck what anybody has to say. Canadians. Don't speak the same English we do. We do not have the no. same cultures. No. I've met Canadians. We're very different. Yeah. No, 100%. 100%. And, like, isn't that something that, like, especially the youth, especially younger generations now can kind of benefit from, of, like, there's more meaning and understanding, but yet they don't know what to yeah. do with it. You know, well, right. But also like, like the thing is too, it's like, we're not going to live forever. There's going to be a day when like, I think I'm like 10 years older than you. There's going to be a day where like my gen, like the elder millennials, like me are going to be the last generation. And who are we protecting archaic language for? The people who have the biggest problem with it are dying. Boomers, boomers, not even boomers. You have the older ones 
Boomers only go back to like 1948. You still have people who are, oh, who yeah. are older than boomers. I know. My parents were boomers. Like my, and then my half brother was a Gen Xer. So, I mean, I, I was raised more as a Gen Xer. I feel like even though I'm like technically not the right age, like all my friends, like a lot of my friends are Gen Xers too and stuff like in, you know, kind of like weirdo subculture, music, musician land, <laughs> artist land. And like, like boomers, there's a, there's a mix of it because you have some boomers who are very on point with things. And then you have some boomers who are just fucking mad that like their world is changing. Same thing with Gen Xers. You have some that are like, that were the radicals. They were the punks or the weirdos. They were the people who were changing the things. Uh, then you have the Gen Xers who are just like mad that things are different and that they didn't get the piece, like a piece of the pie. And same thing with millennials though, too. You know, there's people, as someone myself, like myself, I am very active on social media, on Facebook, on Instagram, and on TikTok as well. And I make videos and I also like interact a lot. And I don't have like a huge following or anything, but the majority of people who follow me, I don't actually know. So that's actually kind of cool. It's a whole different reach. And so like, I feel very plugged into how things are changing and like the new developments that happen. And I think it's beautiful and awesome. But I noticed that people who are my age, who I might've been really, really close with a couple of years ago, who haven't also kind of jumped on these, these like these trends, they're still feeling as isolated as they were a couple of years ago. Well, it's kind of like, it's kind of like my generation. I'm a late millennial. I was born the last year in the nineties. We're, we are, we are either at a cross between the, the, the two you, of us. You're technically Gen Z. I was looking this up today for a debate on the internet. Your technique, Gen Z starts in 1997. There is debate, but one, <laughs> the one thing, especially for me was, especially where I was growing up, and the type of environment that I was in, yeah, um, I, I kind of fall off the lines of late millennials around 1995, going all the way to 1997. Uh, being the fact we're we're at this two crossroads of we're we saw technology progress in the mid 2000s at a very young age, and half of us, I would say, a 50 percent would be, we've kind of fed into all of it and have kind of taken it all in and then kind of had that a part of our lives completely me and the other 50 percent we were raised with things that you were raised with that were completely normal and then as we got older it started to disappear and remember as a kid not having where you can't go to a place to rent dvds anymore at at nine years old it kind of fuck with my brain. I know that sounds so stupid, but it does. It's like, I don't understand. I have to use this brick thing instead of putting a quarter in a phone. It fucks with you. Well, it's like, I mean, you know, like my generation was like the last generation that did actually have pay phones and, you know, phones that like, and like, you know, just like landlines and things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, me and my high school partner, we would on, on Saturday night, we would go to Blockbuster and we would rent we would go to Blockbuster if we were by his house because he was in a more like uh, a little bit of a uh, nicer neighborhood. And so we'd go to Blockbuster by his house and we would usually rent the VHS because the DVDs were a dollar more. And that yeah, they were. They were always more expensive. $3. Yep. And uh, or we would go to like the little like the little video shop that had a great selection, but was always out of everything. Run by yes. a Korean family. It was like down the street corner from my house if we were in my area. <laughs> so and it's like that was that just grow, that was the, the reality of growing up you know and like you like we had like we went from when 
everybody. I remember I was 13 and I was at my friend's Halloween party and his parent, his mom was like, we used to like date rock stars and stuff. And we were all hanging out in the basement and we were just like, we didn't like, we just had, it was like fun. They were like, it was kind of like a little, it was, it was a cute party, but I remember his dad had some movie on Laserdisc. Like they had a Laserdisc. I don't remember what we were trying to watch, but I also remember it didn't work. They didn't really, I don't remember Laserdiscs. I remember Betamax because um, yeah. my my grandparents, so my grandparents had Betamax. Oh, I remember as a kid just because my, my, my grandmother, she had a two-story house in Brooklyn. I remember as a kid being upstairs and being like, Bobby, I can't reach. I can't reach the button because <laughs> it was yeah. all the way up there. Um. My point is, is like, I mean, I, I, in some way or, 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 or another can understand the way that you were kind of raised because yeah. I, you know, like, and you're right. Like by the time that your generation becomes the last and then my generation becomes the last, we'll be the last people that knew what it is to be in a society where being unheard and being silent was very real yeah extremely real like that was you couldn't talk to anyone like what are you supposed to do you supposed to get on facebook didn't exist yeah no it's true well you know i something i wonder about too though is like like i think about this because i i grew up in a i my my upbringing was pretty crazy and we we didn't have a lot of money but also my mother was very controlling in terms of the things like i did them anyway but i i didn't have like a cell phone i had like there was a cell phone for a couple of months, but it was too expensive. But like, I didn't have a cell phone until I was like 19 or 20 years old, which is crazy when you think about it compared to like you or the kids that are like 13, you know, growing up now. 13, 14. Yeah I, was, yeah. I think I was, I was like 20. I had my own apartment before I had my own cell phone. How crazy is that? I was in college. I was like well into college and I had my own apartment well, really... and then I got a cell phone. But <clears throat> what I was going to say though is like, I, w- I don't know if I would have been allowed to have a cell phone if I was a, you know, if if I was being raised with my mother, how she was when she was alive, like currently, and I was like sixteen, I I might have still been silent. You yeah, might have had to find an illegal way to live. I mean, but you could have. Uh, the reality is, like, you could have. People don't realize this. You could have survived without a cell phone. The reality was, like, if you didn't have a, a cell phone, there was always a pay phone. Most people had landlines. My parents had landlines. Whenever we went to school, like elementary, we went to school with a roll of quarters. And there was a pay phone in the hallway. There was two of them. They, they put a, a stool underneath for us little shorties to be able to reach. <laughs> And like that was just you know the the only reason why I had a cell phone was because I was going to school in Baltimore, and the person I was staying with they didn't have a landline built in downstairs, and the school didn't have a working phone either. So because of that, I had to get a cell phone. And I just you know like people are like like what I don't understand you know like today like we use it for so many other more things than just phone calls, but right. Well, I guess that was my point, though, was like a slightly different where it's like we're so like teenagers these days are so connected to each other. And so they have so much more like infinite ability to find information, to find community, to find how they identify what they want to be called. Like, you know, like what music, what like 
cultures, films, whatever, they have so much more access to these things, largely because of platforms like TikTok, but other ones as well. Like, but there are still kids, I'm sure, who are not able to do that or who have to like have like, you know, like accounts from their friends' phones or whatever who aren't able, allowed to be, or who are still like not able to participate in this current evolution. Yeah. Your your mic is your mic oh, is sorry. not everybody's allowed to actually you know be a kid. <laughs> and so you have a lot of kids, I'm sure you have a lot of kids who who have uh more challenging upbringings who are still being limited from finding their peers and from finding the people that resonate with them. I think this is one of the biggest problems with with education today, and I was talking about this earlier, especially when you you talk about sex ed, um, it's not it's it's non-existent, and it, yeah. it, it, it it's kind of horrible because we kind of view kids, unfortunately, still as just like a bunch of dumb zombies just running around. It's like, oh yeah, here we go. Here's a stupid fourteen year old that's talking her shit, and it's like. When are we going to just stop the stigma of just realizing they're teenagers? They're just trying to figure out who they are. And instead of, like, bashing them and criticizing them, why don't we just find a way of, like, saying, well, if they're doing something that's unhealthy, maybe let's, like, look into that and see what's going on. Or, you know, I mean, is that so hard to do? Well, but also, like... When you make things taboo, kids are just going to find a way to do it. When you make things like when you educate again, like any time when you have anything that's like a big deal, again, back to the surgery thing, like if you give everybody all the different pieces of information, they're able to draw their own conclusions. They're not just adopting or rebelling against the conclusion that you've drawn. So like by giving kids an education about around, around sexuality, around sex, around safe sex, around STDs, like stuff like that. Like, oh my God, I saw something. This is a, this is a divergent thing, but I have to say something that like blew my mind today. Like I'm going to segue real quick. I saw some video on like a Facebook reel or whatever and like a story. And it was like this Instagram model who was like living and dying with H with HIV. And she'd had it for 10 years and she dated some really big names in Hollywood. And I was like, okay, this is very sad. This is objectively a very sad situation, but also like, how do you not know you have it for 10 years? Um, how do you sleep? How do you go from partner to partner without getting STD te- STI tested in between? Like the, all these people now that you've had sex with in the last 10 years, you might have given them HIV and you wouldn't even know if you gave, if you had it for 10 years and you gave it to somebody nine years ago, that person might also not have it because you didn't find out and tell them. Like, it's so insane. But that's the thing. It's yeah. like you have, you know, she probably was only like in her early 20s. So she is kind of the generation we're talking about too, where it's like sex education is not just about like how sex works. It's about how you can have safe sex. It's about how you don't get pregnant. It's about how, you know, it's about what consent means and like what, like enthusiastic consent versus like when somebody's, you know, going along with something because they feel forced into it. And like, ideally parents don't want their kids to have sex when they're teenagers, obviously. But the thing is if they're going to, and they're obviously going to like, like, the, like, duh, like 
they have to know when it's rape or not or when it's like you know when it's something that they agree to versus something that's forced on them whether they're doing it in a way that they're going to get pregnant from or they're like or they're safe like there's so many things that have nothing to do with actual sex that go into sex education no and it's we're instead of telling kids don't do that instead say here you're growing up this is what you're going to need these are the tools you need to make sure that you are protected yeah, not just exactly. for yourself but for the other person as well i mean really if there's not going to be in school and it doesn't necessarily need to, i mean it no. should be in school but if it's not like there need to just be more people who are sex educators who have teen friendly like you know youtube videos or tiktok videos or you know channels on different social media sites that's where these kids are going to get their information anyway no one's paying attention in school especially when school is like on zoom like <laughs> i had a friend who was a teacher and like like he was an art teacher and he was saying like one of my best friends and he was just saying like during the pandemic it was like it was so hard for those kids to, to come to school to just sit on zoom and not because they were bored because these were like these you know it's like the art kids they're like little the sweet little weirdos but like it was like, you know, they wanted to be there. But the thing is, like, they might be working to support their family because so-and-so got sick or so-and-so died or, like, you know, so-and-so came down with COVID and it's lasting for six months. Like, there's some, like, like kids are not necessarily paying attention in school. I did not learn as much in school as I did in, like, like Chicago Public City funded programs that were focused, through, like, there was a great program called Gallery 37. It's a whole different conversation. But, like, that thing. Or, we'll like, get there, we'll friend, get there one day, honey. Yeah. Don't worry. One day, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so great. But, like, <laughs> but like, like, my friends or, like, people that I would meet, I learned so much more from that than I did just from, like, traditional education. And, like, if there just need to be people who actually are putting themselves out there as, like, sex educators geared specifically towards teenagers where they're not encouraging it. But they're educating kids around it. I guess there's probably a lot of liability, like red tape to cut through that with that stuff. Yeah, just leave leave it up for the CDC and the FDA to <laughs> pull some strings. I know. Uh, damn. So crazy. I know. I mean, um, I feel like, I feel like this is a this this was a, a great conversation, not just as a conversation. I, I think as a as a whole of each person being unique and. The fact that we're both we're both queer members, we both mm-hmm. uh, understand the the idea of being weird, and I I love when people say that I'm weird because I don't think it's a negative. I think it's a positive. It means that you you you're unique. Like yeah, you're you. You know, I'm Dave, and you're Eli. Yes, I always <laughs> refer to myself as a weirdo. <laughs> with with how I how I address and present myself a lot of the time I refer to myself as like a weirdo beacon because I like to be a place where all the other weirdos who might be a little bit scared of things are like, Oh, this person, I can talk to this person, this person is a safe person to talk to. <laughs> yeah, I'm one of the I'm one of, I'm Yeah, one you're of, one too. I'm one of those. <laughs> like I, I will literally just go out wearing like a crop top and my little short I love my little shorty shorts and my little booty heels or something. Oh, yeah, but, totally. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like that's that's my little that's my little groove. But anyway, uh, we love we love all of you. Uh, hopefully, yeah. you'll be back next week. Uh, we uh, 
posted uh, we've changed the um, recording time which episodes will be posted saturday night possibly even a little bit earlier in the day but yeah want to leave off with anything Keep challenging reality Ooh. keep challenging your perception of reality damn all right that's powerful <laughs> <laughs> take that with you we have reached the end well not really it's just the end of the podcast we really appreciate your support listening and our guests that come on that share their incredible stories be sure to check out our description box we have social links where you can find us all over the place and also our other podcast Jam Bam with Mike and Dave so here's to next week on Lost in the Groove Thank you.